and welcome to another episode of Reptile Fight Club. It's me, Justin Julander, your host. And here with me is old Chuck. Hey, Boom shakalaka, back again. <laughs> right on. It's just us today. Just us no, today. No guests this time, so I, we'll see. I love guests, and don't get me wrong, but I was kind of glad to see it was just going to be me and the old doctor today. So. Yep. It's been too long since the pressure's off, you know. You know, yeah. One of us has to perform on a guest day. One of us, so now (laughs) we can share the equally miserable load of performance. So, you know, (laughs) yeah. Well, I got my ultrasound, so that's been kind of fun. Um, I uh, I got it off of eBay, so it was used. You know, it's a little bit older, but it's one of the nicer. Like it was one that was recommended by the hurt one of the hurt professors over at Utah State. And so, um I went over to her lab and she showed me how to use it, you know, the the uh this brand Sonicide is the brand of ultrasound. And mm. so she showed me how to use it and kind of I brought a few snakes over and we found their follicles and couple that I was hoping would have some more developed follicles do not, you know, so, but, uh, so I, I had ordered it and it was supposed to arrive Friday and I was having the training on Monday at the university and then it didn't arrive and it didn't arrive. So I just brought the snakes to the work, you know, and, and had her show me on, on my snakes. And then, uh, I got a tour of the new lab. It's pretty sweet. They renovated nice. her building and they put in all this Nice stuff, but man, we went into the into the one of the rooms and it was pretty warm in there. I'm like, yeah, oh, is this like a set temperature? Or is this just for daytime? No, this is the temperature we keep them at. I'm like, wow, wow. So they must be going by the heat the room approach rather than yeah. the each cage. But I mean, yeah. the room was like it was mid eighties warm. Like it was probably yeah mid eighties. It was wow. it was hot in there. So that's pretty warm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think they're. I know. Well, they they brought back a bunch of snakes from uh, Dale Donardo, who did all that cool mm-hmm. research with the children's pythons and the eggs and stuff. So, I mean, they know what they're doing, of course. But, yeah. You know, it's just like, whoa! I don't. And and if you're gonna breed children's pythons, I don't think I'd be keeping them that hot right now. But yeah, right, you know, right. I, but then again, they live up in far north. You know the Northern Territory, and so they're probably not getting that cold during the winter. So yeah, I don't know. Depends on where they're from. So, um, but anyway, it was it was cool to see, and you know, pretty state of the art and nice in there. They could control humidity and temperature and stuff in the room. So that was pretty cool. Um, and you know, it was nice to get to see it again. I haven't really been down in the herp room since Ben left. You know, he was kind of my key into the, to the biology into department, the, into the herp. So how is that like, I mean, as a professor there, you can't just kind of walk into any, no, oh, no, no. They're, they're like, Hey, uh, what are you doing here? Like, yeah, it's, that sounds well, like my, and, and that sounds like my work. Jesus. Yeah. Well, especially with the new, the new facilities, like everything's key carded, key even the carded, rooms yeah, yeah. inside the facility, like, yeah. And, and in our, like in our rodent, you know, facilities and stuff like you have to have, like your key card has to get be approved to get into a certain room and you may only have access to one or two rooms in a suite of, you know, 10 rooms. So probably similar to the, that is like military. That's exactly (laughs) like my work. (laughs) Exactly. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, If you don't belong there, you're not getting in. Yeah. So it's kind of, you know, I used to have some people I knew over there, some grad students and stuff when I was a grad student. So I'd go hang out and 
you know, chat herbs and stuff. And so you got to like, you got to constantly keep the schmooze on for that, huh? Like keep, <laughs> there you keep go. getting, yeah. keep, keep, keep meeting grad students so that they don't, uh, they don't graduate and, and then <laughs> you you're go. left with no in. And then yeah. you're stuck. Then you're stuck doing the secret knock. Yeah, there you at go. The door. Yeah. I I did meet one of, one of her grad students, and and he was uh, he's working on you know children's python reproduction and immunology. You know, so it's nice. it should be pretty interesting. interesting to see what he finds. So I'm curious yeah. to see that. Um, yeah. So that was did that you, was fun. You, so I finally got them? it. I, I I found out that the ultrasound was being sent to my old address because <gasps> my eBay had my old address. I'm like, oh, oh. crap. And so I had it rerouted to be held at, you know, one of the FedEx facilities. And so I went and picked it up, uh, yesterday. Good save. So did it get delivered or how did that? Well, I think they attempted delivery and I'm like, cause my daughter was home and she's like, yeah, nobody came. And I'm like, and, and they said we attempted delivery and usually they leave the little card that says we weren't here or whatever. And, uh, so I'm like, I went, so I got looking closer and I saw that it was trying to be delivered to my old address. I'm like, oh crap. So I had changed all my addresses in eBay and then I had them reroute it. And they said, show up with your ID showing that, you know, that's your address. And I'm like, oh no. So I looked on my ID and luckily I hadn't changed my driver's license with my new address, which I think is probably technically illegal or something. Yeah. I was going to say, I think you're supposed to do that within like, yeah. 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 Well, you, so, you're the one who may have to it, renew your license in the next couple of years. So there you go. And, and do you uh, have the real ID yet? Have you have you gone real ID? I don't know. What's that? Real is ID is is like go, a, trust me, it's me. Look at me. No, it is me. No, <laughs> no. So you have to bring uh, much more documentation. So you need like a uh, birth certificate, uh, passport. Um, oh wow. Yeah, like you have to really it's like it's like uh proving you're a citizen basically and they'll give mm-hmm. you a real ID. So it's like a driver's license, but it's the real ID. So I think it's they keep you pushing use it, it back. as a driver's license. Oh, well yeah, it is your yeah, driver's license. It's your driver's but, license. But but it's 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 linked into the federal system and your ID is verified. And if you want to travel on airlines, you have to have, and it's like it used, it was going to be like May of 2022. And now I think they pushed it mm. back to like maybe May or maybe of 23 or 24 because of COVID, they keep pushing it back. But yeah, eventually you'll, everyone will have to have mm. this real ID to travel. Uh oh. You're not, you're not, you t- the, 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 the Utes, the Utes are not hip to this game, apparently. <laughs> hasn't hit, hasn't yeah. hit here yet, I guess. No. I don't, or All I right. just don't pay well, attention. I don't know. Maybe yeah. it has. <laughs> you're yeah. a driving man mostly. I mean, I will say you do <laughs> yeah. fly though. You definitely do oh, fly yeah, and yeah. for work. So you, you probably, yeah. I'll probably you probably don't it. want to sleep on old Chuck's advice here. I would, That's I would look true. into this. Uh, yeah, I probably this. will space it off as soon as we're done, and then. <laughs> How is the DMV in Utah? I have to imagine the DMVs in California are horrible, like horrible. And not that I think anywhere's DMV is good. And I know this is really squirrel <laughs> yeah. random, but I was just thinking, like, you know, maybe mm-hmm. the maybe in Utah or maybe like Montana or like you know some of the more sparsely pop, maybe they're 
Maybe their DMVs are a little less. Uh, well, I, I went into the DMV the other day, but I wasn't actually supposed to be there. I was supposed to, you know, we were registering a car. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And I wasn't went thinking, and, oh, so I, I went see. to the DMV, you know, like, hey, where do I, where do I register my car? And they're like, uh, you're in the wrong building, so you idiot. So, um, but they were nice and friendly, and oh, I'd love to help you, but uh, you need to go to this place. So I had to go down the courthouse, of course. But all right, already anyway, finding ways that so they were friendly. DMV differs. Know. Yeah, hasn't been too bad. But yeah, there's <laughs> there weren't very many people there either. But it was kind of in the morning, so. I think the DMV may be the only place that has more jaded of workers, state workers than than the federal government does. But yeah. that that's, that's just my pretty, experience. I mean, it seems like a pretty sweet gig. You just have to quiz people and tell them they get their license or not. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's miserable in some way that we. Yeah, I was gonna say. I don't know if "sweet gig" would be the. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if that's the, the 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 words I would use, but uh, <laughs> but it's not overly difficult. Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree there. So I, I did finally pick it up. So you have the, so back to, yes, back to brass tacks. I I Um, took it for a, for a spin and I um, identified a few females that look gravid, look like they've got some either huge follicles or eggs. You know, I I think one of the Womas had eggs, like they were. Did you ultrasound the, the blackhead? No, I mean she's obvious. <laughs> she's <laughs> like, she's no. about to pop. She's not okay. eating. She's giant. Yeah, she hasn't All eaten right. for several months, and so yeah, she's she's definitely got eggs. So I'm I'm uh, trying to back. I think she's in her prelay shed right now. So nice. Yeah. Um, a few others like I I think I've got a gravid female uh, prothensis pygmy python. Mm. So that's exciting. And then I didn't do any like lizards or anything, just the snakes. So. And then a couple others. Like I, I'm pretty sure my jungle uh, zebra jungle's out ready to go. Went again soon too. Yeah, nice. She's gonna Is it zebra to zebra? Uh no, zebra to normal. Like kind of nice striped lineage male. He was cool. he was produced from. I think it was flower. One of Ben's stripe projects, but he mm-hmm. he I got a striped animal from Ben and bred that male, and then he doesn't have any striping. But some of his so babies does, in this last year's clutch are striped. Do, are like striped? One of yeah, yeah. Is really crazy stripe. It's cool yeah. looking. So, yeah, it's that recessive yeah. stripe, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I was I was kind of surprised stripe. how quick I made it through all the all the females that I'm you know looking to breed or get eggs from. So it went pretty quick. So I think. I'm going to be able to, you know, hopefully make a little project of it and track them, you know, maybe through the season and do like. So now you're the you're the ultrasound master. I don't know if I'm a master. I I had a hard time. I I was trying to use the tub of water method instead of the gel, you know, but I think I'm going to Mm. go with the gel. It was Mm -hmm. too hard and they freak out when they hit the water and they start Mm -hmm. trying to swim and move. And so that was a little, even though it was nice warm water, it was a little difficult to get them to hold still to be able to ultrasound them. And then the, like the connection where the cord comes into the, you know, the probe, it Mm -hmm. kind of came loose and I'm like, is this going to get water in it and electrocute me if I'm sticking it in a tub of water? So I'm like, yeah, maybe I just want to use the gel. So I ordered some gel. We'll see if that works okay. any better. But that's what I they showed me, you know, in the lab. Yeah. They trained me on the using the gel, and it seemed to work a little better because mm-hmm. you know if they come out of the water, then you lose the signal. Yeah. But the instrument's kind of nice. Like when you see something, even if you lose it, you can hit the stop button or whatever. You know the the 
uh, and then you can backtrack a little ways and go back to where you had the good. So it kind of has a play, a play, yeah, like a a, a log feature. Yeah, or yeah, that's cool. So you have a certain amount of time that you could go back and look and. So now I feel like I feel like I feel like now that you have spent the money for an ultrasound you really are, you've kind of put the ball in your court to start really using that thing and making, making a lot of animals. I mean, maybe not a lot of animals, but, 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 but consistently making animals. Right. I mean, I think I'm a few years off of that because I kind of need to get a feel for it and like kind of learn how to use it and track and figure out what sizes, you know, I I need to go back and read some of those papers because I'm pretty sure Donardo's work kind of goes over that and talks about um, some of the, the papers um, and, or, or at least follicle sizes like along the course. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I need to look into that more. I've got some in the green tree Python book, but it's not like ingrained in my brain. So I need to go back and look that up and kind of figure out for the different species, you know, what a pre ovulation, post ovulation size or, you know, ovulation size follicle is. And, and then just kind of record Maybe I'll pick like, okay, I'm this year I'm going to do Aspidites and I track Aspidites throughout the whole year and look at the ones who go on to reproduce and stuff and we'll see. But it's, you know, I, I think like after having messed with it, it's like, okay, this isn't that bad. I'll be able Mm -hmm. to, I should be able to use this. It's not, it doesn't, it's not a long setup. It's not heavy. It's not hard to move around. You know, the only, I got a nice bite right on the. Right on my index finger from a Stimson's python. I, I thought I, I thought she was good to go, but she turned around and grabbed me. She's like, food, feed. So mm. yeah, that was mm. my own dumb fault. But what do you it's do? What you, what you get for having finger sausages. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, they do taste pretty good, but mm. yes, yeah, so I've got a nice little, nice circular <laughs> row of teeth marks there on my finger. Um, I got bit the other day too, getting, getting some out for something and yeah, the fun of working in a snake room, right? I was going to say it is, uh, right. it is, that's why I don't it work is with part of the fair of admission. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, man, gotta be rough. Um, yeah. So anything new with you? Mm, no, not really, man. Just, um, just doing, it's been kind of cold here, so. I just just checked on the diamond pythons. I hadn't seen them in you know a good couple oh, yeah. days, so How's that get, get a little worried. They're fine, they're fine. Yeah, I'm just hiding. I don't know. I couldn't find the male if the the females uh, hunkered down, but I'm sure what the males. What are your lows? Um, I mean, we're we're you know probably. Oh, hold on, I'll tell. Oh, I might have to. I might have to. Uh, I haven't logged on to the Govi app in a while, and so you oh, gotta like. Yeah. You gotta, um, oh, yeah, you gotta like let it update, but yeah, I've had some frustration with that. (laughs) Yeah, it it does kind of suck in the the sense that, like, you know, it doesn't like, but, but, you know, if you just take a minute, let everything download, and then it's all up to date, but yeah, like the last, let's see, yeah, January 14th was the last time I I updated, so it's been like, you oh, okay. know, it's been a while. Yeah. But um well, but it gets pretty cool in January. Oh, 40s. We were down in the 40s. Oh, okay. So, I mean, it gets down, you know, it's there there yeah. um and so, you know, like what I was seeing was, you know, from the from the peak in the valley from the high to the low is getting, you know, it's getting tighter where the extreme spread is is way less. 
Um, let's see here. So yeah, so my men for for yes for yeah for. Well, does it make sense? Just on the wrong day. Anyway, so my minimum for yesterday was thirty four and a half degrees. So that's okay. the low. And then the high was up to seventy two point nine degrees Fahrenheit. So yeah. you know, pretty, you know, and that's it that that's at the basking spot. So it's cold. It's cold. Yeah. They're out there hey, freezing their ass off. I could, I could take some forties or thirties right now. It's, yeah, it's I, so I bet cold. you could. I, I woke up to could. single digits, man. It was uh, not comfortable. Yeah. Well, that's why I don't uh, live where you live. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Why not as many people live here? I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, cool. Oh, oh, that right. Say hi, here. Ruby. <laughs> um. I thought today we could uh, talk about. Yeah, go ahead. We could talk about peak call. We could talk about hydration and kind of like some of the ideas and and maybe you know uh, debate or behind some of these topics of of hydration. So, um, <clears throat> so I'm trying to think of how a way to kind of have two sides on this because of course. Who, who doesn't want to hydrate their reptiles? <laughs> but I, like, I like beef you know. <laughs> jerky reptiles. Yeah, yeah I don't know. That's weird, right? Dry, dry, yeah. dry. So I, I guess like, um, you know, maybe whether or not we should try to adapt more, um, I don't know if I'd call them experimental, but like different ideas have been floated um, in the hobby. So we can discuss some of those and kind of, whether or not you know they they have merit in in trying or following or or doing that, you know what I mean. So um, maybe we'll uh, have it be that way, where one of us takes the side of ah, that's kind of nonsense, and the other side says no, there's merit. And that we're gonna play good? this one fast and loose. Is that what you're saying? I think so. Hey, that's okay. our style, right? Yes, we can. <laughs> do it that. wouldn't be we're, a Chuck and Justin yeah, episode I mean, without come that. On, man. Fast like, and loose. <laughs> We just decided on the topic a little yeah. while ago. So sometimes yeah. you got to throw it against the wall, see what sticks. <laughs> exactly. That's what we're doing so. today. Okay. Well, let's flip a coin, we'll and see uh, we'll see what sticks. Yeah. Actually, let's uh, let's do an ad. Um, we have a new sponsor on the show, uh, uh, Mutton's Choice Powerlifting Gloves. So, and we appreciate uh, old, you know, the Mutton's Choice brand uh, sponsoring the show and. If you wanna, if you wanna lift like a pro, get Mutton's Choice powerlifting gloves. All right, so back to the coin toss. And if one wanted to get Mutton lifting power gloves, where would they, where would they go? Um, I think you have to steal them from Nick Mutton's car. But, I see. Yeah. Okay. All right, here we go. Go ahead and call it. <laughs> That's, I don't know. I don't know anymore. That's sales. Call it sales. I think yes. I just lost the coin it's toss. Ed's. You uh, lost see? it. Oh yeah. man! I was just right. thinking. I knew I'd throw you with the fake ad. <laughs> I was no. just thinking of all the reptile people trying to bl- break into a, 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 a teal blue or a baby blue oh, Corvette to steal uh, Nick Mutton power lifting gloves. <laughs> it's a good thing he doesn't listen to the show, or yeah. I'd be in trouble. Anytime yeah. somebody breaks into his car, he's going to blame it on me. I'm going to pay for it. All right. Well. Um, Maybe I'll go, I'll go with the, the, 
you know, some of these ideas have some merit. So, all right. And you can take so, the grumpy old so, man. <laughs> so do you think like, you remember back in the day, cause I'm, you know, it's an older Corvette, right? So I'm like thinking like, you remember, you remember back in the day, the Viper alarm, this car is protected by Viper. You know, like you think yeah. it's like, this car is protected by mutton. Like, could you see, like, wouldn't that be hilarious? Hey, hey, you, you go know. to break the steel of glasses. Step That'd away from the one. car. This car Step is protected away. by mutton. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'm out there. I'm, okay. So anyway, what am I doing now? Okay, you're you've got the get off my lawn. Uh, get off my easy. Yeah. The, Dude. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm what a stupid that. idea. No. Yeah. <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> yeah. Who does that? Okay. So I guess one of the one of the things that kind of um, brought this topic to my attention was the you know the debate around putting the pennies in the water bowl. Have you seen that? Ah, uh, the that old thread? cat ion exchange. There you go. But maybe I should have taken the negative side, but because <laughs> there's a few few things on these that you know I I have some. But anyway, I think I first saw that or heard about that from Harlan Wall. I don't know if he came up with that. Somebody told him that, right? Yeah. Pennies of a certain year before like 1950 or something. I think it has to do with more, the amount of copper, copper that yeah, yeah, the amount of copper that they actually put into the penny. Yeah. I think and copper. So, and- I think I think this topic kind of was a hodgepodge of different things and I didn't I mean I thought it was like, so we'll, we'll talk about some of the other ideas, but we'll start out with the penny and the water bowl. So um, I'll let you lead out with your thoughts on the penny and the water bowl from the perspective of the, what a stupid idea that, no. So, so, so refresh me, the penny and the water bowl. Let's, let, let, let's, let's establish this for, for, yeah. So, uh, so the I idea, I guess, but really for me, cause I don't remember the whole fucking thing, but so the, the idea, idea was that it, it reduces bacterial growth because of the copper ions and, you know, in the water. And so you have to use those older coins cause they have the, the newer coins don't have enough copper or something. So I imagine you could use copper wire or something else that's mm-hmm. coppery. You know, I think that's kind of the idea behind using copper pipes, why we mm-hmm. have copper pipes in our home. So um, yeah, does that sound familiar? So, you know, they, yeah. they, I think somebody actually did a study where they took a bunch of water bowls and put pennies in some and no pennies in the other. And then they, I don't know, streak some agar plates or something, auger plates and to oh, see if nice. they get bacterial growth. So, and, and there was yeah. a clear and scientifically there was a clear winner here. I don't think they ran statistics or like did anything like that. So I, I don't know. I, I, you know, it's, it's hard to make conclusions from some of those, you know, at home, uh, yeah. experiments, but, yeah. um, they thought it seems like I, you know, I'm probably misquoting this, but it seemed like they thought they saw some difference mm-hmm. or effect of the copper. Um, so I mean, I guess, you know, this is this is me kind of riffing a little bit. And mm-hmm. so, you know, my industry that I, I work in primarily is aerospace. And so we work with a lot of alloyed metals uh, for the aerospace industry. So I'm, I'm pretty familiar with with alloys. Uh, and a lot of the problem we have working on naval aircraft is saltwater. So so you have mm-hmm. a lot of uh, corrosion to alloyed metals um, due to salt water and some type of a wet, you know, uh, a, uh, in a, in an aqueous 
form. So you, you, mm. you get a cation exchange in an aqueous form. It's called a galvanic corrosion cell. And generally it, 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 it happens between, uh, a, an anode and a cathode. So, uh, the cat, the, the anode, oh, I don't remember how this works. One, one is, one is, um, and it generally goes by how, um, how much a, a alloy or a metal wants to give up, uh, an ion in, in that cation exchange. And so some metals are on one side of the table, other metals are on the other side of the table. So I would think the way this works is that the mineral in, in the water serves as either the anode or the cathode and then the penny serves the copper and the penny because copper readily gives up an ion because it tends to be pretty soft. And a lot of this stuff has to go by hardness. So a lot of the softer metals tend to give up ions pretty easily. And so I would say that it really depends. Um, obviously, you know, the penny in the water, the water is the aqueous solution. You get two metals in an aqueous solution and you're, you're having cation exchange. Now, it, to me, it depends on how much mineral you have in your water. So there's mm-hmm. that. And, and, um, and I think it definitely depends on what the alloying properties of the penny you're using are, which, you know, you, as you said, you kind of need it before a certain year because the, the, you know, the penny is more brass or nickel or whatever they're using in pennies mm-hmm. these days. I don't know. Um, but, it, it it's one of those things where those conditions have to be met. And sure, I, I would agree that there's probably some ion exchange it going on there. Um, but but I think long term, um, I don't think you're going to stop bacterial growth in water. I don't think you can sit there and just put a penny in water and fully stop bacterial growth. Um, you know, so. Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the basis of, you know, the, the ions from the copper will weaken the bacterial cell wall. They kind of mm-hmm. read, I don't know if they like necessarily, um, they just kind of mess with the integrity of the, the cell wall. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what leads to different, um, negative consequences for the bacteria. So yeah, it will slow and, growth. It will potentially and I think, kill off some bacteria. Yeah. And I think, I think if maybe you get bacterial clusters, so mm-hmm. weakening the cell wall on that bacterial cluster that is closest yeah. to the exterior of the aqueous solution. Right. But maybe not necessarily getting all of those bacteria depending upon how they cluster and, mm-hmm. and form. Right. So, so that's my point. Like, Yes, yeah. it probably is going to help, but if you're saying like, well, I shouldn't regularly change my water because I put a penny in there and it's, you know, it's yeah. it, and, I, and, and the other thing is if mm-hmm. if you're if you're changing your water so infrequently that you're using a penny, you know, or a a, a stopgap method of of retarding bacteria, maybe you're playing, you know, I mean, would it wouldn't wouldn't the thing be to to just re, you know clean and reintroduce a fresh water source that is and and you know our water's fluoride you know flor, fluoridated 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 
Fluorinated? Fluoridated? Fluorinated? Okay, I like that. Flor- fluoride, we'll go with that. Fluoridated? Yeah, I think fluoridated, fluoridated yeah. probably is right. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, we, we there's our and, – and the other thing is, is, you know, we're seeing water qualities decline – across the nation. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that's a, maybe that's an argument for maybe, uh, you know, maybe having that extra, mm-hmm. maybe so, but, um, you know, if, if you have relatively good water quality, uh, from your municipal water treatment plants, um, you know, your water should be fairly clean and bacteria, yeah. fairly bacteria free. Um, well, I, and- I, I don't know about you, but I've seen some of those, like going out herping, you see these pretty nasty water holes, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, I, I don't think, and, and I think we're also coming from the attitude. I, I think a lot of keepers have the attitude that all bacteria is bad, you know, that right. any bacteria is bad bacteria, but I'll, most of our body is made up of bacteria. There's more bacteria in the human body than there are human cells. So we're yeah. more bi- bacteria than human in in some ways, and I mean they they perform a huge array of functions. I, I really got into this with the uh, um, gut microflora. We did we were doing some studies and some we were putting in a big program grant for um, a bunch of different related studies on how the microflora of the gut influences different things. Like for us, it was, you know, viral infection and, and mm-hmm. um, treatment and things like that. And we did see some interesting things in the gut by, you know, microflora are, are very important. And if you kill them, you know, so you take mega doses of antibiotics or something for, uh, you know, like a MRSA infection or something, and then you kill all your gut microflora, it can change your, metabolism it can change all sorts of things you know skinny people all of a sudden gain a lot of weight or vice versa you know so it can really uh change a lot of aspects of your life even i mean so many different aspects of life mental cognition you know teeth your your cavities and strength of your teeth and stuff like that so it's kind of crazy um so i or maybe that was Maybe your teeth cleanliness had to do with yeah, de- yeah, or something. Yeah, like exactly. That. De- that's what I was just going to say is, mm-hmm. is dental hygiene quality so, related so to I, cardiovascular fitness. Yeah, I think, you know, the idea that we need to have sterile water or ultra clean, ultra pure water is kind of, you know, that's I, I don't think that necessarily applies. Now, yeah. You know, take that with a grain of salt. You don't also don't want a bunch of biofilms growing in your water either. And, you know, like you're saying, those biofilms, the middle of them are completely protected. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, the outer layer kind (laughs) of gets killed or maybe like the crust, but it also kind of protects the living stuff inside to multiply. And and so, you know, yeah, you can get pathogenic bacteria that can flourish in, you know, in, in a water system or if your environment's too humid or whatever. And so there needs to be a balance. But um, so, you know, I I think if you're trying to, you know, you know that you're not going to necessarily be changing your water out every day or every other day and you want to stretch it to a week or two or something, maybe a penny in the water bowl would be a a reasonable way to kind of keep that extreme bacterial growth down until you can go in and change the the water bowl. Yeah. Um, I use disposable. I mean, that has its own downsides of you know adding plastic to the landfill and stuff um and and sometimes i'll clean those out instead of chucking them and just put them back in the cage but um if they get too nasty or if they take a crap in their water bowl you know it's it's a lot 
easier just to chuck that and put in a fresh new one, you know. And uh, so I, I feel bad about putting more plastic in the environment, but at the same time, I keep my snakes a lot more clean that way. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you've got uh, water bowls you need to clean out, maybe having a penny in there will reduce the opportunity of those bacteria to form biofilms. You know, maybe it will... Yeah it will diminish that capacity to to form biofilms. Now the, the way to, I guess, um, test that or to put it to a real scientific investigation would be to have a known quantity of bacteria. So you could add the same amount to each bowl and then put the penny in, you know, half of them at random and then, and then, you know, see kind of what numbers you have, down the road and and try to find some way to quantify you know your reduction of bacteria and show that that's significant compared to um no penny in the water bowl and yeah. and i imagine you you might see a see an effect you know but like you said I, I, but, like, but i just yeah i i just feel like though like i understand what you're saying and limited, i agree with you I, yeah. I agree with you that you could sit there and you could quantify it and and maybe somebody who had the you know the science wherewithal and the and the drive to do that goes and quantifies it and says yes a penny in the water bowl you know keeps the bacterial film away and that's great but what most people are going to hear is well if i just put a penny in my water bowl i don't have to worry about it as much and i'm just not going to change my water as often so yeah. i think you're missing I think you're missing the point. Like for me, it'd be like, well, in that case, then take your water bowl and put it, you know, put, put it in your, your pot on the stove and boil it, boil all that film off and then put your water back in there. Cause that's a far more effective strategy and less risk. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to have a copper water bowl, just buy a bunch of copper water. Yeah, exactly. You're good to go. (laughs) Then you'll have no bacteria. But what happens, you know, also (laughs) what happens when, you know, you get uh, when you get um, kind of that that because, le- you know, all metals oxidize. And so that mm-hmm. they get those those oxidative layers on them and those oxidative layers are a protective layer. So you're not doing the same amount of mm-hmm. cation exchange uh, with that oxidative layer there than you are with fresh, bare, open, you know, metal. So, yeah, you know, I, I think. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Cleaning. Yeah. Cleaning the penny, how often yeah. do you need to clean the penny? Right, and 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 so yeah. that's the other part is most people see a penny and it's not a bright, shiny, you know, <laughs> fresh-looking penny. That's because it's got that that copper oxidation or it's been oxidized, so it's not gonna give up its ion as readily if it's oxidized already. So you know, a lot of nuance there in the whole. Does the pen? How well will the penny work for you? So I just you know I think at the at the at the where the rubber hits the road with most people, it's probably not, you know, is it scientifically a thing? Yeah, probably so. Is it a good idea? Could, you know, like if, if you had, if you were like, I, I just, I can't get water right now and the water that's in the dish is what I have and all I have are these old pennies, go for it. Go for it until you're, you know, but, <laughs> yeah, but I, like, I mean, Will it hurt? Probably not. I mean, probably would it, not. Would it potentially help a little bit. It could, you know. So I, I guess the risk of of trying this, like you said, the main risk is that you get complacent with your water changes. And so yeah. that, yeah, know, that, yeah. I mean, I think I, I think that's my un, my biggest underlying point is, you know, n- nothing, n- nothing 
does the best for your water, like mm-hmm. taking your bowl, throwing the old shit out, scrubbing the fucking thing out and filling it up with fresh water. That's re- mm-hmm. that's really what's going to, you know, keep your water quality the, the 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 best for or treating your water depending, you know, depending upon how you're how what what type of animal you're using it for and what level of water cuz you know, for different I mean I I wouldn't take the same level of water quality for amphibians as I do for some reptiles. Right. Like, so, you know, I, I've um, seen a lot of swamps that the frogs come from too. So that's fair. That's fair. It's it's hard. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really, but but those uh, are extremely biotically alive. And I would say that, um, there's a balance there. There's a balance there. And, and, um, but, uh, but we've also seen chytrid move through and, and decimate amphibian populations. Absolutely. Absolutely. a foreign invader is brought to, you know, the waters and it just takes yep. over. So and that's, you know, we know the nightmare that's been. We just throw a bunch of pennies in the in the ponds and we'll be good. We'll kill all that chytrid. <laughs> yeah, I've been watching, uh, what is it, One of uh, One of Us? No, All of Us? Oh, The Last of Us? Last of Us. And <laughs> all man, in the I family? Just, yeah, yeah, all, no, no. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been, I've been, I've been like... Thinking chytrid fungus. No, I haven't really been thinking chytrid fungus, but it, it, it is a pretty interesting concept. That's uh, those other fungus that grow in the brain of the grasshopper, and yeah. it causes the grasshopper to climb to the top of the branch and hold on, and then it like releases its spores out to infect other grass. What a crazy world we live in, you know? Right? That's I mean, a, that's a thing, you know? Yeah, I, and I think fungus are pretty, pretty amazing. They're pretty interesting, you know. They're really a. Yeah. Uh, 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 a whole, a whole, uh, you know, kingdom uh, that we don't, we don't give enough, uh, enough credence to. Yeah. And, and I guess, uh, maybe this goes to your side as well, but bacteria aren't the only things that can cause disease. Speaking of chytrid, chytrid yeah. is a fungus, you know, uh, serpentovirus or nidovirus or viruses, of course. And so, you know, there's other risks that can be potentially transmitted through your water if, if mm-hmm. you're not uh, cleaning it regularly or if you're cohabitating or something. So, yeah. you know, uh, Penny's not going to cure everything, but you know it wouldn't hurt, and it may may help a little bit. But as long as you're keeping your cleaning schedule and not thinking a penny is a magic bullet that's going to solve all your problems, so um, there is yeah. no magic penny. <laughs> there is no spoon. Um, so uh, that that kind of brings up the next uh, topic of hydration is uh, um, water changes. How how frequently should you be changing your water? So now the the observation is that. When I change my water bowls in my green tree pythons cage, they usually come down and drink that same day. You know, I, mm-hmm. I hear that a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And so Keith uh, Keith McPeak kind of was talking about that on on one of his posts um, about you know changing water and maybe we change it every day. You know, why he's not? been McPeaking on those it? animals, huh? Yeah, <laughs> he's why? been McPeaking in on those he's animals. He's McPeaking he and he's it. he's observing, yep. and so yep. you know, I I can making uh, make observations. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, I guess the, the, our thoughts on, um, daily water changes or, or, you know, more frequent water changes. Yeah. Um, do you want to lead us out or you want me to? Well, I mean, so I think, um, if I am the nay on this one, uh, I, I think what you can see is, so obviously most snakes do not so, 
as as a rule of practice, we offer water at all times under ideal conditions for for yeah. for most for our reptiles. Right? Mm-hmm. Is that really? A reasonable thing. No, I mean it's well, it is well, some, a reasonable it is a reasonable thing. Yeah. But do they need access to water at all times? No, they can go long periods of time without water. Um, however, when you offer them fresh water, they will generally drink from it. And when you have water that is not as fresh, I think they disregard that water. I think they're able to tell the difference, smell the difference, whatever, between fresh water and water that has a biofilm or something in it. Um, and, and I think that they definitely show a preference towards fresh, clean water, and they can tell what is fresh, clean water. Um, mm-hmm. so, so I think if you do more frequent changes, then you will always have fresh water available, which will ultimately logically lead to the most opportunity for hydration for them. However, I don't think that daily water changes are, are, you know, with, with a resource that is getting more finite for us is changing the water for them every single day. uh, A necessary thing. I, I don't, I would say as long as you change it at least, you know, once, maybe twice a week, you're fine. I don't, I don't think that water quality drops off that drastically. Um, yeah, but that's me. I, I, I've got some, uh, I mean, I, I love Keith's, I love his posts. I mean, he's, he's, he's <laughs> oh, like, I, I agree. And yeah. And so I, I think there's definitely something to that idea, you know, like mm-hmm. those, those I agree. water changes. Um, I, I guess it depends on the species, of course. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, For we're sure. kind of comparing apples to oranges to kumquats or whatever. But, um, like some species wouldn't know what to do. They would drown in a water bowl. Yeah. You know, right. Like they right. don't know what to do with it and they're, they're not going to be able to really use it and they could damage them and kill them. So, um, you know, of course you need to know the natural history of the species you're working with. If you're, if you're working with, say, a Boland's python where it rains every day, and they're probably, you know, getting most of their water close to where they're hanging out most of the time and, and drinking from a, a puddle from the rain or something like that, you know, or, or collecting it in their coils, you know. So um, I guess, you know, in that case, maybe a, a daily water change or, or even kind of administering water. And, and this may be the next topic we can talk about, but uh, spraying your animals or administering mm-hmm. water a different way. Um, for example, knobtail geckos. I don't keep water bowls in my knobtail gecko enclosures, but I spray them down a few times a week. You know, spray down the sides mm-hmm. of the cage and spray them down if they're out there. And they'll drink water droplets um, off their body. You know, a lot of a lot of reptiles have kind of that uh, cool uh, channeling system that, that yep. they can wick wick up the water and, and it gets to their mouth and they can drink just by standing in a puddle like a you know Moloch or thorny devil. If you haven't seen that, it's very cool. Check it out. You know, go look at, look at that on YouTube yeah. or something. But, um, my deck, my day geckos wipe it right off their eyes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so do you, have you ever seen a day gecko drink from a, uh, no, uh, no, I've never seen them. Yeah. I really haven't seen them go. I, I keep water in there, um, next to their food dish, but most of the time when I see them drink, it's when I miss the cages. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that next, I think. But so as far as 
changing the water, I think it could definitely have a have a benefit for some species. Say, yeah, you know, these I agree that come from a like a, a very wet environment, like a um, you know, like the highlands of New Guinea or the, the lowlands of New Guinea for that for that matter, and you know, other maybe species that live or spend a lot of time in their water. They probably could, you know, benefit from either a running water system or or a replenishment of their their water because a lot of these species may be in rivers or river systems and and maybe um, okay with you know or or benefit from that frequent water replenishing and and changing and so um, again it it depends on the species like I I remember uh, watching the Hammersleyensis monitors the mm-hmm. uh, southern Pilbara rocks. Um, Pilbara, sorry, Aussies, um, go down you know the rock faces and come down to the little stream and drink and things. So you know, I think um, even in the harsh desert of you know Western Australia, they sure. still have access or or know where to find that that water and and running water even down in in those uh, gorges in in the Pilbara so and there's kind of a concentration of wildlife in those areas where where mm-hmm. you have that permanent source of running water so you know I thought about that if I ever keep Pilbara rock monitors how cool would it be to have a big cage with a giant rock wall and a little stream running along the base of it you know yeah. and I guess the 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 differences of captivity, you know, we say, okay, animals in the wild probably don't drink every day, but they probably have a place where they go that's has a hundred percent humidity, you know, like a mm-hmm. burrow or something. So they're, they don't necessarily, they're not losing water like they would yeah. in the captive environment where we're not providing them a humid hide because we're like, oh, they're a desert reptile. They come from the desert. So therefore they don't need any humidity. Whereas they they don't need 100% humidity their whole time, but they do need it when they're in their hide area or what. So, um, and I think lots of extenuating factors. The the hydraulic gradient of of what's going on in their environment makes a big difference to how much water they're giving up or or how much they can retain in their body as to how much they need access to at the time. And you know, I mean, out in nature, sometimes the access to water and the and the hydraulic gradient are not friends with each other. So they have to be able to go periods of time without water. Now in captivity, is that necessary for them to do? No, it's not. But you know, nonetheless, just, just like you can go period of time without water or, you know, that they can as well. Does that mean you should? No, it doesn't. But does that mean that you need to offer them water every single day and it needs to be the freshest water all the time? Probably not. Does that mean that you can go a week without changing water? No, that's probably not okay. Right. So, you know, I mean, I think it's, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's very situational, both in nature and probably in captivity. But, you know, if you can give them access to clean water on a regular basis, probably changing more frequently, depending upon the species, especially makes sense. Yeah. I had a friend that uh, I was helping him uh, clean out some cages. He'd been gone for a couple of days, and and uh, he went and started cleaning the cages, and there weren't any water bowls in the cages. I'm like, oh, what, what's going on here? He's like, oh yeah, I mean they don't they don't need to drink every day. And I was going to be out of town, and and a spilled water bowl 
in a you know like a rack system with yep. all these smaller snakes is much worse than a than no water for a couple of days and and giving him water. So that's why I'm giving him water now and yeah. hydrating him back up and stuff. So you know I think again depending on the the way your animals are set up and and the and the natural history of the animal you're working with. Um, well, and and like if you had to go of off an AZA checklist, that would be the hugest no no oh, ever. Yeah. But, but yeah. you know it, again. You have to know what you, it's situationally specific and it, you know, the, the context and the, and, and the natural history matter, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah. by no means am I saying, oh, water's not, don't worry about that. No, like, yeah. I'd be exactly. thing, you know, like, no, that's not what yeah. I'm saying. So, yeah. And, and yeah, like you said, I mean, <laughs> I think zookeepers kind of pull their hair out when they're, yeah, when they're for sure. The boards kind of demand that each cage mm-hmm. have fresh water every day in it. And it's like, well, they don't drink from a water bowl. So yeah, I mean, I've heard Steve, you know? I, I mean, I, yeah. I hear Steve say this on the regular. So, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it's, there's a frustration within the zookeeping community over AZA standards as well. So yeah. as there should be yeah. at some, well, in some and, cases. and I think anytime there's a rule that has no, <laughs> You know, yeah, natural it's history just, to back just it or, capricious you know, it's just, and arbitrary, yeah. which which is, I mean, it's on on one one hand, it's it's easy to regulate. You know, you can right. go in and say, right, is there water in the cage? Check, yes, yeah. check, no. You know, so I, I imagine it's more to make their job easier than having to know every animal and you know their hydration requirements. So um, that's that's tricky. But you know, you they think down that some of the us. Yeah. (laughs) So I I guess that's where we maybe have a benefit there as as private Mm -hmm. keepers is we can make that choice and and have a little bit of freedom of movement. Yeah, exactly. So I guess, you know, a lot of this comes back to this is know your animals, know their natural history, know what they need and how to provide that best for them. Yeah. Good, good, good thinking. Well, well, good topic. Thanks, Keith. Um, let's go to, you know, spraying and fogging and, you know, the fogging. Uh, yeah. No, not flogging. No flogging. No flogging your reptiles. Yeah. Um, and, and I really, I mean, I got to, of course, bring, bring up Ron St. Pierre. I knew it. I, I knew it. I, I, thought I, I know. You it. know, that's I, coming, I, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Sorry well, to, I for mean, the repetition as, on that. Yes. But, as yeah. uh, justly deserved. But yes, yeah, I knew that yeah. was coming. And I mean, I don't know how it didn't hit me, you know, sooner mm-hmm. because I've spent many nights out in the desert sleeping and you wake up and there's like a layer of water on you sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, not all the time. Mm-hmm. And so, and when he's talking about collecting reptiles and there's nothing moving and then all of a sudden the dew point hits and there's a layer of water over everything and all of a sudden everything comes out and starts licking up the dew and, and so um, you know, like a lot of times when you spray an animal, they freak out and they don't like mm-hmm. it. But I, I imagine fogging is a little <laughs> less of a shock to them and, you know, probably has the same purpose if, if the fogger's on long enough and kind of mimics that dew point setting. So I think, um, definitely, especially for, you know, arboreal animals and, and those animals that don't necessarily regularly drink from standing water, um, having those kind of, you know, incorporating that type of, of, um, misting or fogging or spraying into your, um, you know, maintenance regimen is, is very important. And, mm-hmm. and, all, and I would say almost critical, you know, to, yeah. 
to to have that animal act like it needs to act and be yeah. like it needs to be. So, I mean, you hear that a lot about like, oh, you know, green tree, th- green tree python babies don't drink, you know, and they freak out when you spray them. Well, maybe you miss them or maybe, you know, your, your humidity is a hundred percent. So they don't need to drink as mm-hmm. much or, or they, you know, collect, the dropping water or something. If you're spraying yeah. at the side, it freaks them out. But if water's dropping, dripping on them from above, it's okay. I, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. And I think I, I definitely think the, you know, when you just blast a blast, a snake with, with a spray bottle of water, they're like, Hey, what the hell? I mean, the yeah. same way you would be is if I turned a fire hose on you, mm-hmm. you know, like it, that's quite a volume of water. And generally when, when, you know, rain starts, it, it, I'm not always, but you know, it doesn't usually just drop as like, you know, a fire hose. It, it kind yeah. of comes down a little bit it's at like a time. A, and so, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, and sometimes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. So, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, it is not that they dislike the water. It's just the, 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 <laughs> the volume <laughs> the, of delivery is, is not preferred. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, and, and, you know, I think, so as somebody who keeps a lot of plants and stuff in all of my terrariums with all of my geckos, I mean, it's, you know, having plants in there and having a misting system and, you know, you're, you're, you're watering those plants, you know, you're misting those plants as well as the animal. And you're also providing water for, for, um, for vapotranspiration for the plants, which is also kind of keeping the humidity up as the, as the plants evapotranspirate. Um, so it's, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you don't have to necessarily spike the, you, you know, you can spike the humidity, uh, by, by the, the misting, but then, you know, the plants as they transpire, um, kind of keep that, that humidity up. So mm-hmm. there's definitely, you know, I think there's something to be said for misting and, 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 incorporating a more natural setup into that you get some some extra benefits uh i think of just kind of uh, a little more regulatory cushion in your in your caging where you're you're still getting some of the benefits but maybe not having to you know you don't have to constantly be misting and you know the plants are kind of helping you as well and um and and Mm -hmm. it you know makes for a more biotic uh environment um and so yeah i I definitely think i you know i think gosh misting can be such a a fine line though as well because Mm -hmm. um you know if you over mist yeah and especially if you're especially if you're using like a substrate that that um you know that can mold or um Mm -hmm. you know like i i've i have to watch it with my aspen shavings yeah if if i if i overspray my aspen shavings they tend to get little mold on them after a while Mm -hmm. so i really have to watch how how i missed and i really have to stay after my substrates so that they just don't and because i because i do i do spray the tracy i fairly you know, fairly regularly, especially now, especially this time of year, mm-hmm. uh, I've started doing it more regularly just because I've, I've kind of noticed them, um, you know, kind of co cohabitate more, um, in the days after I, I spike their humidity. Um, mm-hmm. so, so I think, so one that I think there's, there's, you know, 
biological benefits in reproduction and, and signaling and things like that for misting for reptiles, uh, which is definitely good. But I also think you have to watch very carefully, you know, because not all misting is good misting. And, and, you know, you can even, you can even saturate soils, uh, with over misting and actually have fairly low humidity, but fairly, you know, uh, um, Messed up fairly conditions. abiotic yeah. soils. Yeah. yeah. So, uh-huh. so, it, it, you know, too much is, is not always good. So, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the, how you're misting, you know, the, the, how you're aerosolizing. So like you talked about a fogger, which is probably the, you know, the finest aerosolization mm-hmm. of, of, uh, moisture, uh, versus, you know, what most people do in a spray bottle. Um, yeah. those are very, very different things going into yeah. an enclosure. Um, mm-hmm. and they can have a gross effect on the volume of water in the enclosure and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and the amount of bacterial growth you'll get in the enclosure depending upon frequency and volume. So, yeah, I mean, waking up in the desert with that, that dew, you know, yeah. <laughs> that the collected in the night, um, dried up pretty quickly as soon For as sure. the sun hit, you know, and we, we yep. just lay out our sleeping bags or, you know, uh, tarps or whatever, and they'd be dry in, you know, a couple minutes, you know, so yeah. as soon as that sun hits. So, yeah, I mean, you got to keep all that stuff, you know, balanced. And, and again, I mean, this is a, a, a push to get out in the environment where the reptiles live, you know, where the species, mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I listened to Alan Rapashi on project herpeticulture he, Alan Rapashi went on Project Herpeticulture. You he got to step your game did. up, Justin. Know, you got to step right? your game up. He, he said they annoyed him enough that they, that he came on. But, but uh, here's he, here's what he did say that he he needs to get on and and kind of battle with Ron. So if we can get oh, Alan and Ron, we're on, done. Yeah, That's it. That be, All right. All <laughs> then right. we can just quit and be. The yeah, challenge has been yeah. laid. So and I'm like, man, that sounds like a reptile fight club, not a Project Herpeticulture. That Come does. on, guys, don't be still in our. All right, Ron St. Pierre, if you're listening to this, I know it's your off season but hopefully you hear this <laughs> i was gonna message arms. each of them separately and yes. say hey ron just challenged you yeah hey alan yeah. just challenged you you want to come on man <laughs> he told me alan's talking shit on. about you ron exactly get in their <laughs> ear let's make this happen <laughs> yeah you're don yeah. king right now justin we'll, we'll do it and then they'll hear this episode or ron yeah. will hear this episode and be like hey we've been played the <laughs> 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 uh, um, so yeah, we need to get those guys on. That'd be cool. For sure. but, um, what was the point? Oh yeah. Alan was, was, uh, bashing Phil for never having gone over to see the Euromastics in the wild. You know, like he keeps all these species like, Hey, weren't you the one that went over and, and watched them in their environment? Oh wait, no, that was a better keeper. Something, <laughs> something to that extent was pretty good. Yeah. That was a really good show. It was, it was good to hear. Uh, you know, Alan's, Alan's a bright guy for sure. Yeah. Alan so, is, is yeah. very legit. Yeah. So, um, but you know the, the that idea of uh, you know you need to know where they're living, what kind of environment, what the conditions are, and you know if you're sleeping out in the environment, you get to feel what it is all night long, or you know kind of see that we we got to experience that up looking for the uh, the montane rattlesnakes up in the mountains of southern Arizona and. It was pretty cold and there was a yep. dew, you know, over us when we woke up and it was a little, little uncomfortable there. Until yeah, it was not, it was not, yeah, it was, it was fairly, I mean, I was, 
was yeah. pretty wet. Like it was, yeah. you know, if I ever the, keep a clobber eye in the future, I know kind of, you know, what to maybe give them some nights, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, no doubt. Um, but yeah, getting into the environment, knowing kind of where they are and when they come out, when they're active, when they're hiding, you know, where they're hiding, all those kind of things really help. Um, and, and I think, you know, too, like things like day geckos, very small reptiles kind of have an advantage because you can give them more of a, you know, like a planetarium. If you try mm-hmm. to give a python a planetarium, oh, yeah, you have to have a very, yeah. a very large one, <laughs> you know, with a lot of plants so they can. You have to do your some, planting. But, yeah, yeah, you have exactly. to do your planting very correctly. There's a lot. Yeah. There's way more work that goes into something yeah. like that than, and, than. And in a confined space, I mean, yeah, they're going to curl up here for a little while and then curl up here. And so they're going to smash down all the plants in that area. Yeah. And then they're going to, you know, over, after a week, everything's smashed down and ruined and you're all your work to so i have the problem where i have to go back and actually trim back all my plants because they're literally i had one of my vining plants push through the top of the screen and is now was growing out like yeah yeah, no so i i do i do well (laughs) with my planet and like almost too well where you're like oh my gosh this is you know is that outdoors or indoors Oh, it's indoors. Indoors. That's indoors. Cool. Yeah. You so, need to put on a master class or something. Teach me how to do this stuff. Oh, easy know? money, That'd dude. Yeah. I, I yeah. mix my, I make my own soils, uh, mm-hmm. and plant it out and just, just, man, it's those jungle dawn LEDs. Those things mm-hmm. are, that's the thing that does they're, it. Yeah. Up. They're solid. They're that's super cool. solid. Yep. Nice. Uh, Miss King and, and, uh, yeah. And you're good to go. It's all Arcadia. I just run Arcadia Lights and uh, yeah. Miss King and and. Oh uh, man, I I made the mistake of listening listening to the Chameleon uh, podcast. What's the uh, Chameleon podcast? The man. Now I'm, of course, I'm in a space off the name because I'm trying to think of it. Um, the uh, Chameleon Keeper podcast. The Chameleon Academy podcast. Gotcha. With Jill Strand. Yeah, um, he went to Madagascar and he comes back talking about you know the stuff he experienced and I'm like oh man it's and then cool, seeing huh? Kaufman's yeah. uh, videos and stuff man that's the, I saw that they cool were stuff. gonna have uh, they were gonna have uh, like all those guys Strand and and uh, uh, Frank Payne and yeah there's a bunch of guys uh, are gonna uh, do a big panel we're, we're, yeah. that was a memory wasn't it was it it was like five years ago or something Frank Payne was, was it on a oh. panel. <laughs> I don't Jesus, know. Jesus, I just outed yeah, myself seeing, about how much I pay attention. Oh, I listened yeah. to some, somebody else that was a chameleon keeper too. It was on it was on uh the Animals at Home Network. Uh it was Dylan um it, uh, Dylan DeMuth. De, De, DeMuth. He he interviewed Jonathan Hill of I Perdalis or the oh. uh Panther Chameleon guy and he was and so I looked at his website, and I'm like, "Oh man, chameleons are so cool. They're cool. You know, like, yeah, they're pretty cool." <laughs> so, but I can't think like that because there's no way yeah. I could handle chameleons right now. Um, anyway, so back to the, so yeah, I guess depending on what you're keeping and how you're yeah. keeping them, and and all those kind of things, those you know, just be aware of the natural history and try to get out and see what kind of uh, you know their environment, what, what it's like. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, obviously if you go during a week or, a, you know, a couple weeks, even you're there at a snapshot, you know, you're there mm-hmm. at part of the season. So that doesn't mean you can just kind of say, okay, now I know everything. So, you know, go back at different times of the year or, or look at some 
temperature data or something, you know, see if they're and, and look at the, you know, the rainfall and things like that. Well, know, and I think that's the kind of the downside to a Miss King is because it's very set and forget. Yeah. And, you mm-hmm. you know, I, here, I, I mean, our summers to our winters, although they're not as extreme as your summers to winters, but I mean, it's enough that I probably should change how my, yeah. you know, hydrologic the regimes mountains. are a uh-huh. little bit in those in those cages to yeah. to to mimic more of a natural cycle for those yeah. animals. So, you Most know, I tropical think, environments yeah. have that dry and wet season. And, a- absolutely. Yeah. And, and yeah. then I mean, even, yeah. you know, I keep standing eye as well as uh, Grandis and, and one is northern ranging and the other is southern ranging. And they have very different environments, you know, as far as how much how much heat and, and water they get. So, you yeah. know, here's, here's pretty much the same, the same animal that, you know, inhabits very kind of, I wouldn't yeah. say very different climates, but, but enough that they're, you know, they're distinctly different. Sure. Sure. And, you know, and I mean, they probably do fine kind of kept mm-hmm. at, a, at a single regimen and, you know, yep. like, yep. but would they be that ideal? From yeah. Exactly. A more naturalistic cycle. Exactly. Yeah, maybe so. So, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I think that if you can, I don't know, I, I remember watching, I think it was the Viper Keeper that he's Viper Keeper. kind of an interesting guy on, on YouTube. But I don't know that I'd necessarily mimic what he does, but he would water all of his Vipers with like a squeeze bottle. Yeah. And so he'd go down and, and so that was his way of interacting with the animals was to water them. And so he's interacting with them, you know, daily or every other and day or something. I, I and, would say some of those tropical know. Vipers, that's maybe how you do it. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I, I mean, well, this was the not... desert ones too. Like yeah. he was oh, really? you know, giving okay. them drinks, like his sand Vipers and stuff, you know? So it was kind of cool because then they see him as the bringer of water, but I mean, you're getting pretty close. Way to, to deity yourself yeah. there, man. Way yeah. to deity yourself. <laughs> I am the bringer yeah. of rain. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, like you, that's kind of how you form a bond with your reptiles is they see you as the one who brings the food or, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, I guess yeah, the food the monkey and, and, the, and the rain food god monkey. are the same person. Yeah, you're <laughs> yeah, right. That's true. You're right. Yeah. You're right. So, uh, um, I don't know. Do we? What do, do we what cover? Do, what do, do we, any other? Are, so are we? Are we calling reptile keepers polytheistic keepers? Are we? <laughs> I guess you can choose if you believe in the, the yeah. monkey, the, 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 the food the, monkey, or the water deity. <laughs> so you can take your pick. Nice. Um, nice. Any other topics on hydration? Uh, ooh. cleanliness. I mean, we talked a little bit about like yeah. You know, should you I, use I feel like we kind of covered. I, 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 there was a no, so funny I will campaign, talk about you know, I will talk okay. about Okay. I just want to get this little funny anecdote. There was the, you know, the Fiji water, you know, they had some mm-hmm. commercial where they're like because it's not water from Detroit or something in the and, and oh, the city of Detroit here, right? The, the city of Detroit like kind of got offended, of course, yeah. and they said they did their they tested their wa- water quality next to like Next uh, to in Fiji competition water. with Fiji, and they had better water quality yeah. than Fiji water I, did. So I think people have an <laughs> unrealistic expectation of of exactly how much uh, they actually filter a lot of this. Well, yeah, they have an unrealistic right. expectation of where this bottled water comes from, from the source, <laughs> yeah, and then exactly. how much filtration the companies yeah. actually spend money to do. Because uh-huh. doing large-scale R- reverse osmosis is extremely expensive. 
yeah. if you don't believe me, ask a desalinization plant, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty much what you're doing with, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, obviously it's way more intensive to desalinate oh, sure. yeah. and, 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 and yeah, RO, you know, process. Than, yes. Yeah, just but, simply but it's the same principle and it's expensive mm-hmm. to do. I mean, even if yeah. you have RO systems in your home, uh, those filters are not cheap and they, you know, mm-hmm. they, they do, you know, if you're going through a lot of water, um, you need to stay on top of those filter changes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, we, we have secondary water and we also have, so I usually, I, well, no, I always use for watering my reptiles. I always use the water from the house and we have mm-hmm. like a water softener and things because the yeah. water in Utah is terribly so, hard. Yeah. You're, always you're all mineral. You're all rock. So it's and, like, yeah, it's going to be, exactly. yeah, it's going to be. Yeah. But, but there is, mineral. I mean, you do need some of those minerals in your water. And, and that's what I was going to say water, is you're probably going to suffer to some extent. That, that's know? the big issue with RO is that, and that is probably the biggest down, the, the biggest detractor from people misting with RO. So people like RO because it doesn't stain the glass as much when yeah. the, when the, the, the water. Yeah, when when the water evaporates, it just yeah. leaves the mineral, and it it leaves that that mineral deposit, and it kind of stains your glass. Mm-hmm. And, and so people like to use RO, but RO, if you have a really good RO system, it it almost totally demineralizes the 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 water. And so if that's the what the animal's primarily drinking, you can get mineral deficient, you know, animals. Uh, because they're not getting enough mineral out of the water. Uh, and I can mm-hmm. tell you in this, in California, you can, so I, you know, I disclosure, I have a, a native California yard, right? And, and so yeah. I, I water those plants, uh, you know, with a hose sometimes when it's really hot or, 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 you know, kind of in the, between the seasons and, Okay, they do fine, but nothing looks as good as when it rains in California. No, none, no California natives look any better than the first rain. And that's because all that mineral, all that micronutrient is coming out of the sky and going to the plant. And they just, you know, it's so important for plants. It's so important for animals. So I, I do think while there is some advantage to RO, you really have to be kind of careful to, to, to not, you know, overdo it. So you can, you can get, um, you can get systems that do not completely take your water down to, you know, slightly before distilled. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, like, and a hundred percent, you don't want to use anything like distilled water where all of the mineral Mm -hmm. 100% has been stripped out of that water. Um, through distillation. So, yeah, I mean, understanding water and, and, uh, and, and what's going on there when you're, when you're misting or, or even giving drinking water to an animal is a a huge part uh, of keeping your animal healthy. And, and I think, you know, not knowing what you're doing, you can really kind of screw the pooch in some, some ways. Yeah. I, I, uh, again, like, um, listening to, oh, oh, this, this is why we need these, uh, symposium, you know, like mm-hmm. people to come and talk about water systems and reptiles, you know, that would be really a, a yeah. useful thing. And I think, I think we think we've got all the information we need from the internet or, you know, those kind of things. Listening to Alan talk about, yeah. um, 
the process he went through to get different feeder insects and, you know, like the black soldier fly larva and stuff like that. And, and hearing about, um, kind of that jockeying for position by the different, you know, bug breeders and, you know, using black soldier fly larva as a, as a feeder source and all the regulations and complications that come along with that. It was really an interesting thing, you know, so I'm glad he, he got that to work, you know, and to, and to have that grub pie, man, some of my lizards just love that stuff. Yeah. So, um, you know, having, being able to share that information and, and, and that was kind of the idea behind, behind Herpeton, you know, and Mm -hmm. that's, that was such a fantastic thing. And both, uh, I guess, Roy was there. I don't think mm-hmm. Phil was there, but Roy went to Herpeton. And I, I, I feel bad. I don't remember meeting him. I may have met, met him, but, you know, but he was there. So, you know, I could have, could have met him, but there were a lot of, uh, and, and the idea was to get everybody together to talk. And so they were talking about Herpeton too. And, and Alan basically turned it over to, to Roy and Phil. And we're going to have it out on Alan's land in Ocotillo and, you know, just sit around the campfire and talk reptiles. But I do think there is some. That will be cool. Uh, that right? will be so cool. But I, I, but I, I, I still that. think. I I still think we need, you know, PowerPoint presentations with like data and, and you yeah. know, some different ideas there. But, the, but, but, but a windy fire night with Trevor and yeah. the boys, like, come on, <laughs> exactly. it's done. Like, I'm there. Sign yeah. me the fuck up. So I, I, I agree. I think that needs to happen. So we'll, we'll have to keep uh, prodding. Yeah. Phil, yeah. I mean the the baton has been passed, but boys, if, you know, you if gotta, Phil and Roy want to meet Trevor, they better get on this shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't bring Trevor out for nobody. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, and even you know, even if it's a smaller scale thing, or you know, we we just get get a bunch of us together and just chat, yeah. you know, ideas and stuff. And and really, that's what the Herp trips have been. You know, you yeah, get together sure. and you discuss different ideas and and chat about things. But I think. I, I liked Herpeton because all the all the presentations were recorded and put onto YouTube. That was really yep. pretty cool, you know. So we have access not not all of them, but but a lot of them. So yeah. I'll go back and rewatch Alan's talk on you know Igernia or whatever. <laughs> I really wish he would have had more time on that one. He mm-hmm. he kind of got his time stolen and didn't get to see some of the presentations because some of the talks went over long and they need to you know, some kind of electrode or cattle prod to get those people Ooh. off the stage if they go over, you know, because I don't want to miss I out think on... you know how Justin feels about people <laughs> hogging time. Now I, I'm on a, you know, I'm on a committee for the, for the, one of the virology societies. And so I, I, uh, was on the program committee and I know what it means when somebody goes over t- their time and yeah. cuts into somebody else's or cuts into the breaks or the lunch where people get upset. So not a cool thing. So. Don't yeah. go, stay to your time, people. Come on. Yeah. Make sure <laughs> but, you got to feed your professors or they're going to get pissed. They're, exactly. They're not dealing with that late lunch crap. Yeah. So they they also cut off kind of my riffing at the start because they, they switched my talk with somebody. Somebody wasn't there. So they're like, hey, can you go now? I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess so. And then they said, can you talk for longer? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll try. So I was just kind of uh, trying to riff a bit while they got the talk up, but telling some stories about Alan and Jeff and <laughs> Jeff nice. and Alan Pesci it was pretty fun. But uh, anyway, um, yeah. Cracking some jokes. Yep. So I, I, I don't know. I think, uh, this is a, we need more symposia. We need more groups. Mm-hmm. We need more herp trips, you know, get people together and discuss ideas and get those ideas, test them, get them out there, you know, share them. That's kind of the, the scene where you 
get to share ideas and discuss different thoughts and, and how they apply to, you know, our captive, um, animals. So nice. Cool. Well, yeah, that's hydration. I think we, we, uh, hit some good topics here. It's fun to, fun to chat about that. So, um, any, any cool stuff, uh, you've been listening to or interesting new facts you've heard lately about reptiles <laughs> that we can discuss? Boy, I feel like I've really, I feel like I've really let you down in this segment it, of the show. Is it, is it time I for have, another ad? We, yeah, <laughs> I think I think we need cue Welch's the mutton fruit sponsor. Welch's exactly. fruit Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. They're our original Thank sponsor, you. and uh, <laughs> they've just kept this show going. Fuel Chuck's yeah. appetite. God on knows the, I have Welch's not. Welch's fruit juice. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I, I, uh, again, um, just really enjoyed that listening to Alan on, on project herpetoculture. So I recommend that one. Um, another one that I, that kind of hit closer to home was, uh, on the herp highlights podcast, the, those two English blokes that, uh, they they do a good show. They, their, um, episode titled it iguanas with a sweet tooth. They talked about, mm. so this professor, Dr. French, Susanna French, at Utah State, um, she was the one that taught me how to use the ultrasound. This nice. was one of her papers. She's studying ah. iguanas and and specifically like the rock iguanas on these islands where a lot of tourists come through and the tourists will put grapes on sticks and feed it to the iguanas or throw it to them in the sand. So the iguanas are eating a ton of grapes, which you know, are full of sugar and, you know, not, not the natural diet of the iguanas, but of course they love them and they're going to come running for them and they see the tourists as an opportunity to get their sugar fix or whatever. And so she's looking at these iguanas and how this is impacting them. And uh, yeah, in the lab, she's not using rock iguanas, unfortunately. So I don't get to go see a bunch Mm -hmm. of rock iguanas over on campus, but she has green iguanas as a surrogate model. And so they're doing studies looking at, you know, the high, sugar diets and the impact on their systems. And it seems like they're finding very similar things to diabetes. So they're mm. they've got these diabetic lizards. Although interestingly, like the reviewers of the papers won't allow them to call it diabetes. <laughs> like they're, they're kind of, there's a lot of pullback on that. And she's like, it's the exact same symptoms and just be like, it's not and- diabetes. <laughs> it's diabetes. Diabetes, diabetes. <laughs> so diabetes. Get, get old Wilford out there. Oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, you don't want to use the D word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of interesting. But You and um, America both. You and <laughs> right. America both. Uh, we need to get Suzanne on here and get her. That'd be cool. I think she'd be yeah. willing to come on. She'd, she'd nice. be a good guest. She's pretty energetic and fun. She came from uh, Dale Donardo's. She did her postdoc there or post-doc graduate there. work? I think so, yeah. Can't remember what she said. Either a graduate work or postdoc in Donardo's lab. So that's kind of cool. cool. Um, what else? Uh, the uh, snakes and sound that that paper that was just released that's kind of making the waves through the the reptile world of you know that snakes can maybe hear sounds more than we think. Um, I don't know. I, I haven't looked at the paper. I some I think it was Zach. Uh, Sack Loafman. That was uh, <laughs> Lucas is never going to live that one down. Never. Um, never. But, uh, <laughs> but oh Zach, my God. 
Zach said he looked at the paper and he's not quite sure if they proved anything. And he's like, eh, I don't know that they really showed that, but it was in a pretty high profile paper or journal, I think. So mm. I don't know. We'll I'll have to take a look at that. So I probably shouldn't bring it up if I haven't read it yet. So it didn't impress the sack. Doesn't impress me. <laughs> I guess not. Yeah. We, we'll, we'll just let sack do all the work. That's right. But, uh, anyway, that's, uh, I think that's all I had. So. Anything else? Mm. We're calling it an episode. I'm sorry. I'm not much help today. No, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> I was going to try to give you some clues like yeah. snake sound. Because <laughs> I, <laughs> I think somebody brought that up in the chat. But, you know. Yeah. All right. Well, um, <laughs> thanks. Thanks for listening. And uh, we're, we'll be back with you next week with a, to bring you more nonsense from... Reptile Fight Club. <laughs> now that's some high quality H2O. Fight Club.